Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, I'm going to engage in a conversation with myself once again. That's me, of course. And we'll be talking about a field that doesn't yet quite exist. This is a manifesto for the future discipline of psychonautics. Now, you're probably wondering, what in the world do I mean by psychonautics? Is it the study of psychotics? Is it somehow related to astronautics? Uh, maybe, in a sense, both of those things are true. Another way to think about it might be a further extension of the uh, minor little discipline within religious studies and philosophy known as comparative mysticism. Let's start by talking about who are the psychonauts. Well, you've mentioned comparative mysticism, so I guess we're going to have to include mystics. And the thing about that is the study of comparative mysticism is in and of itself huge. The vast literature of mysticism goes back thousands of years. You've got the Christian saints, you've got the Buddhist saints, you've got the Hindu yogis, you've got uh, shamans and mystic masters really from every Every culture. So, uh, there is a vast literature, and I think it can't be ignored. They have all contributed to our understanding of inner space. Well, I think it's important to point out right at the outset that there are some controversies within the field of comparative mysticism. Maybe the basic controversy has to do with the distinction between the postmodern approach and the um, perennial philosophy approach. The question is, is this, uh, is it the case that, uh, as William James almost intimates in his book, the, A Pluralistic Universe, that each consciousness, each human being is a universe unto itself. We're all so different and we're all so isolated from each other. Our minds really don't meld. We go deep, deep within ourselves and each of us discovers a whole new universe. The other point of view is that there's some invariance that once we get outside of our own personal subconscious and enter into what Jung called the collective unconscious of humanity, there we see that there are some uh, constants, that there are some patterns. For example, people who experience near-death experience seem to be experiencing a pattern of events independent of their personalities or of their culture even. Well, good. You've mentioned another category of psychonaut, people who have near-death experiences. And, of course, most of the time those experiences occur spontaneously, and they're hard to study for that reason, although the invariants you've pointed out certainly do occur. But there are ways of entering into states nearly identical to the state caused by a physical crisis. And those states can be explored more in a disciplined 
way. We have, for example, and I've interviewed on this channel, William Van Gordon, who has done systematic research, as I recall, a three-year study looking at meditation-induced near-death experience. Well, you've added another category already, meditation. And uh, we have a vast, vast literature of the different states of consciousness and the nuances that meditators can, can go into. You've got, of course, many styles of meditation and uh, many, many different descriptions of the uh, spaces of uh, meditation, the stages of meditation, and which of course relates to what we can call the states of samadhi, the states of nirvana, the states of enlightenment. With regard to the literature on meditation, and, and this also includes the literature of comparative mysticism, one of the big problems that's going to have to be addressed if psychonautics emerges as a mature discipline is the fact that uh, the limitations imposed by linguistics, by culture, by theology, uh, those limitations uh, can be quite severe, and we have to find ways to move beyond them. The tricky thing is this. We live in a world of language. We live in a world of time and space. We physical mortal beings live in a world of limitations, and yet the world of the mind itself seems to be without such limitations. And I suspect that uh, one of the things that the field of psychonautics may yet encounter is how to move beyond language itself, because I don't think that you can communicate the findings of interior exploration in human language. It may well be that <laughs> as it matures, and I'm Really, I've, to be honest, I'm thinking maybe a three, four, five hundred year process. That's what I'm envisioning. This is a manifesto for a discipline that is likely to flourish in humanity over the next four or five hundred years. And as it matures, what I believe is, is that we will evolve to a point where our communications are uh, based on something other than linguistics. Of course, there is the language of mathematics, and I'll come to that, and that's very important. But there's also to be considered the prospects for telepathy, telepathy among psychonauts being an important part of the discipline and how they communicate with each other, how they work together and move together into these different spaces. Because it may well be that uh, we have to move beyond human language altogether. And, and the reason for that is simple enough. Human language is typically based on the constraints that we experience in the external world, the constraints of time and space. But inner exploration is so vastly different. You're entering into dreamlike states where the normal rules of human language and time and space don't quite apply. I think it will be 
important also to talk about other categories of psychonauts because if you have only meditators talking to meditators and mystics within a particular religious discipline talking to other mystics within that discipline, you miss the cross-fertilization. So, to add into the mix, I, I would propose that we look at psychics and mediums. I would propose that we look at people who are skilled at lucid dreaming. I would propose that we consider people who are great hypnotic trance subjects and also people who are very good at self-hypnosis. Uh, there are probably a, a range of other considerations. People who enter into altered states through psychedelics. People who enter into altered states through music. You know, in this sense, the uniqueness of each individual, because I think we're all born as mystics at some level, especially as, as children. It might even be useful to incorporate children into this process. Because, as I say, I think they're natural mystics. So, when people come together from a wide range of disciplines, there will be much more to share. And what, in fact, they will be exploring is a new continent, just like in the 15th century, explorers such as Columbus went out and found a, a new continent. Of course, it had been previously inhabited, and, uh, and naturally, inner spaces have their own inhabitants as well. Aliens, perhaps, discarnates, perhaps. I've already intimated that if we are going to mature as a species so that we can enter into regular, ongoing conversations with the inhabitants of other planets who are probably visiting our planet already, watching us, waiting to see when we will uh, achieve that level of maturity and noting that there are probably little pockets of people who are coming close. We uh, just released the videos with Robin Foy of the Skoll group who maintains that they've been engaging in ongoing communication with extraterrestrials. And I have no reason to doubt his credibility along those lines. So, here and there, it seems that it's already happening. The question is, can we develop it at the social, cultural level? Can we bring all of humanity uh, into this new world? And I suspect that it, it will be a process that will take centuries, maybe hopefully faster, but probably centuries, at least if history is any guide for this sort of thing. And there will be many, many explorations. And as you move into this vast continent of consciousness itself, it's huge. I mean, there will be like groups of people who will be, let's, the equivalent of exploring the North Pole, exploring the Sahara Desert, exploring the Amazon jungle. These explorations will be unique. They'll be specialized. They'll all be very different from each other, but they're all in a sense, part of exploring the geography of, uh, in this case, not the planet, the geography of inner space. And let's face it, inner space is infinite. We are engaging in the exploration of infinity. And not only that, in addition to there being potential spatial aspects to it, at least something equivalent to space, because time and space will be very different in inner space. 
and it's fair to suggest that there are many different kinds of inner space. Uh, not long ago, in an interview with Bernard Carr uh, and Saul Paul Sirag, we talked about hyperspace. These are two different interviews, but you could say there's a space of infinitely many dimensions. We are in a space of three dimensions of space, one dimension at a time. There is a 10-dimensional space, a 16-dimensional space, a 200-dimensional space, and they relate to each other. And actually, today we have very precise mathematics uh, relating to these inner spaces. And I think an important project for these psychonauts of the future will be to look at the mathematics of hyperspace to see if they are at all relevant to mapping out the contours of inner space. And here's how that might look. There are boundaries between the different dimensions of inner space. I'll give you one example of such a boundary. You've probably all uh, had the experience of being in a dream and you're being chased and you're running, but you can't move because it's as if your feet are caught in quicksand or mud and you, you're stuck. You're stuck. You can't move. You're being chased. But then if you realize that you're at a boundary between the dimensions, at that moment, if you're sufficiently lucid, you can start to fly. It's uh, well known in the literature. I've experienced it myself. So that's a boundary. There are transitional properties that can be mapped out and measured. And they, uh, these various transformations that occur between the boundaries of the different dimensions of inner space may be isomorphic to the kinds of mathematical transformations that we already know of and that have been uh, expressed rather precisely in Saul Paul Sirag's wonderful book, Addicts Theory. And for this, of course, it's extremely technical. There are quite a few interviews I've done with Saul Paul Sirag on this channel, and he's not the only person working on the mathematics of hyperspace. But I think his work is very advanced, and it suggests to me that we can begin to use the mathematics of hyperspace to devise experiments that psychonauts, uh, particularly I think lucid dreamers, will be able to conduct as they move through the various transitions and boundaries associated with different aspects of the dream world. But you could say, ultimately, that hyperspace itself, and I'm here referring now to the space of consciousness, also has a moral dimension. It goes, you could say, from the very epitome of goodness to the very epitome of evil. That's one of the dimensions. It's almost like a spatial dimension. And, and you could really uh, evaluate all of human consciousness along that dimension from saints to sinners. And, and it has an awful lot to do, I think, uh, with uh, the reflections of the, that the soul experiences in inner space, the dream life. And, and in particular, I should think it's quite well related to the afterlife, to our notions of heaven and hell. All of that can be mapped out and addressed. And I think uh, in the future, we're going to have maps of this space uh, 
that are going to be very, very refined and very, very useful so that in the future, psychonauts will be able to travel through these different spaces uh, as if they were on a superhighway. And where does that superhighway lead? It may lead to other planets. It may lead to other dimensions. It may lead to other states of being. For example, now in the uh, wonderful book, The Road to Immortality, supposedly channeled from the afterlife by the spirit of the discarnate Frederick Myers, the great psychical researcher, he, he suggests that at some of these levels, we actually get in touch with what, what we might think of as an oversoul, we might be part of a soul group of anywhere from 10 to 20 to 1,000 different personalities. So the, <laughs> the interesting thing is, as you move through these inner spaces, your very identity goes through transformations. This is the world that we're facing, the vast new frontier of inner space. And I call for psychonauts around the world to begin to gather together, to begin to compare notes, to begin to try to break free of dogma, break free of culture, break free of the limitations of language itself, to create authentic maps of the inner space. Because ultimately what we are mapping is the one mind that sees through the eyes of all creatures. Well, that about sums it up. So, once again, thank you for having this conversation with me. It's, of course, my pleasure. And for those of you watching or listening, thank you for being with us.